Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and we have a special panelist episode for you. So I'm joined by Jack Harrington. Hi. (laughs) And TJ Van Toll. Hey, everybody. And today we are going to be breaking down for you some of the big changes that have been happening recently in the React ecosystem. So this includes React 18, the new and improved version of React, Next 13, which coincides very nicely with React 18. <laughs> and- <Yeah. laughs> And basically all that has to offer. So we've got new hooks, we have release notes, we have big announcements and flashy conferences that have just happened. So we're just kind of try and dissect all of that a little bit to help you better understand what what changes have taken place, what these mean for you going forward as a developer, and basically how to try and take advantage of them as everybody tries to wrap their hands around (laughs) the new and improved React. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, Like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So I will let Jack kick us off because he really has been the one of all of our panelists who's been the most up to date with this stuff. So let's let him kind of lead us into it. Sure. So this all kind of started with an RFC that came out, I guess, a month and a half ago or I something along that line. It was this kind of innocuously titled like first class support for async in React. And I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. And again, I got a lot of buzz. So I'm like, oh, Clearly interesting. And I took a, took a look at it. And it's and it's cool. So basically, the idea is that they want to support, obviously, promises as first class citizens. And mm-hmm. it gets interesting because you can you kind of do it differently on the client than you do on the server, right? So on the client, it's got to be a hook, basically. And so they created a new hook, which is kind of generically called use. <laughs> like, no, no use something, just just use. And the idea is you give it a promise you've generated somewhere. And then when that promise, and it it then, that use hook then attaches that promise, waits for the results, and then gives you back the data coming out of that promise. And one interesting twist on it is it's the first uh, hook that you can use conditionally. So all the other hooks, yeah, right? So all the other hooks you could do, you had to have like all your hooks regardless you know, there are nine hooks in my component. Got to be nine hooks every freaking time. You can't right. like return or short circuit. That's going to freak out, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? The way that they manage hooks by index, basically. So that's why that is. But this is this is cool, actually. You can basically say, okay, I have a, a hook that's going to go get my response from my server. And then maybe conditionally, if, if that one resolves, then have another use that would then give you the JSON from that, if that's the way you want to play it and this you know you could kind of bundle that all one in fact the nice thing about this one is it, i mean it's just generically any promise it doesn't have to be a fetch from a server it could be promise around a set interval around a set timeout or what whatever whatever promise you want kind of thing mm-hmm. when it triggers you go and then 
well, let's cover the whole RFC and then we'll kind of dig into the specifics. And then the service side of the house was entirely different, mm-hmm. entirely different. And it was around React server components, basically. And the idea is now you can actually define your component function as an async function. This is kind of cool. And in that async function, you can use a wait and you can do something like await a fetch, right? Right there. And it'll just block that component until that promise resolves. And then you'll return, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, you return your data or whatever, your, your, your JSX. And through the magic that is React, I guess you're going to have multiple of these running simultaneously, potentially multiple running simultaneously if you have multiple things on a page that are going to need data and do fetching. So it's mm-hmm. conceptually, if you think about it from a next perspective, it would be a replacement for get server-side props mm-hmm. and also get static props in the sense that you're doing that if you're doing that. And so the RFC came out and then I think NextConf is like two weeks later? Yeah, you know? it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was really quick. And I remember like, so yeah, oh, well, okay, backing up. So the, this RFC came out and then you could get yourself onto the experimental branch of React and then you could import use as an experimental hook. You couldn't really do anything with the, with the async stuff because there, just, there was no servers implementing that at the time. At that time, which of course, like two weeks later, the ground shifted. <laughs> next, next comp came out, and they're like, "Hey, we have full we support, support for all it, this. Right? It's just you know, just you know, happy happens, chance. Wow, <laughs> you know." And I've, I've heard anecdotally, they were like, there was a a Next.js guy, Universal developer or whatever, who was literally like pushing React branches at NextConf, and it's like, so the two are sort of like becoming very, very interconnected. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, actually, because I, I want to step back for a second, and yeah, sure. so you said this Please. is you said this is an RFC, so that basically just a doc. How much of this is real? Because you said that Next announced support for some of this, but is that just in Next? Is like the use hook available in the latest version of React? Can I just use it, or how how yeah. much of this is actually should like I, live stuff? Should I, I update think... right now to the latest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I behind, <laughs> Jeff? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think support for use is now officially out in 18.2. Okay. That's not going to help you with the RSC, the, the React server component thing, though. I mean, that's, that's its own sort of, I guess support for it is in the frame, is in, is in React, but it's also in, in the framework in, mm-hmm. in Next, because there's kind of a, yeah. But if you just want to use use on a client, yeah, just pull 18.2 today. And I think you can just literally just import you. And I, there's definitely, you, you want the, the, there's a huge foot gun with use, by the way. <laughs> of course. It's like, <laughs> it's like the new use effect, naturally, right? right? <laughs> so everybody's just going to want to go and say, cool, use, and then parentheses, fetch, and right. then parentheses, blah. I, I already had the file open. I was already typing that. So <laughs> <laughs> what, here's the scary part. That will work. You will see results on the screen. Mm-hmm. You will also be in a glorious infinite request loop. Oh, again? Again, again. With infinite the, loops how again? It, how is it that every time there's a foot gun in React, the result is infinite it's loop. an infinite loop? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's a, yeah. Oh, no. And the, the reason is, is, the reason is simple. It's a reference problem. Basically, you know, you, the fetch resolves. It gets the data from the fetch. It, that means that you re-render because there's some state that being set. So you re-render, which mm-hmm. in turn fetches again. 
And that's a new promise. So uses like, oh, it's not the same as the old promise. Yep. And even though it's exactly the same thing. But references, like React doesn't care about the contents of things. It care about, cares about the reference. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, the reference is new, therefore infinite loop. Uh, and even if it wasn't infinite loop, you at least get two, two fetches because like the next time you went through, you just fetch again, you know, and every time you'd re-render the component, you just fetch. Mm-hmm. So you have to create some sort of way to cache that promise. Mm-hmm. And you could move it out of the component itself. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or you could use something like a, you know, some sort of function that would just say, hey, given this name of this and this fetch function, go and make a map where it's like this value is, you know, is this promise. And so it returns the same promise over and over and over again. That that's the way to kind of defeat it. Now there is, I think, another RC coming for a new. <laughs> a new function called cache, which I think is going to do that for you as part of the, the framework itself. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So why I would I use the new use function instead of either A, making a custom hook that does this fetching mm-hmm. for me, which is a very valid option with the way that React currently is, or using React query and just not having to worry about any of that because it takes care of basically all of it. Good yeah. question. You a Pep, you a Pep Benatar fan? <laughs> sure. Remember that remember that song, It's a Little Too Little, It's a Little Too Late? <laughs> I, I get the feeling that this use function is literally that. You know, it's like oh. there are such good alternatives like React Query and SWR. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody was using, well, not nobody, but like the the kind of way that we would teach folks, hey, use, use effect and use state to go make a fetch. Come on, nobody does that in production, right? Everybody uses React Query or a really well done custom hook. But I mean, in the in the case of like React 18, we had the double use effect. And people are like, what do I do? Like, use use your React Query. It's a great, great it's library. A, yeah. Just great use library. it. Battle tested, right. well written. So, yeah. <laughs> so for me, yeah, use is like, no, it's cool, you know, but like maybe the situation would be different if it had been with us since re- when hooks came out. Right. Like the initial hook, because it always seemed like the one that was missing. Like we had the, all these promises. Like, why don't we have support for that? But mm-hmm. here we are. I, I mean, I could see it if if maybe this this next step can remove some of that additional complexity, because there is something that's really appealing about there are some apps where all I need to do is just fetch from some endpoint. Right. Like and I just mm-hmm. and just having a simple way of doing that without a library. I think there's a lot of appeal there, but it sounds like at least at the moment you have to add enough additional logic that it's really not much of a benefit beyond just like you, you're, you're almost like re-implementing like use effect and then storing in state. <laughs> Even that basic option is almost a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, somebody asked me a really good question. And I didn't have an answer. And I should. So I need to go research this, <laughs> which is what happens when the promise catches? And I was like, I don't know. And my, <laughs> my hunch is that it probably blows up and you probably want to wrap it in a suspense or an error boundary. But either way, that ain't what you want to do in production, right? That's that's ridiculous. What you want to do is like have, you know, something in the res- in in the return that says, hey, this was an error. And then you can put up a pretty error message and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Of course, React Query has all of that for you. Right. With yep. the status. But in in the case of just a simple fetch, if you, if, if you want a more than just a happy path demo application, Right, what you probably need to do is wrap fetch in a function where that function then like does both 
then and catch. And mm-hmm. in the term, and when it catch, it would re- like it would resolve, but it would resolve with like error true, error right. string, blah blah blah. Yeah. And when it, yeah. So you know, that's just a lot of work, man. <laughs> yeah. And well, and at that point, you're basically creating a custom hook, right? Because yeah. that's like this. That's like custom hooks one hundred and one, right? You do your fetch, right. you to return yeah. your data or your air condition. Yeah. And then it's yeah. Done. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, I, right, you know, 4K for SWR and you get all that kind of battle tested for free, you know, for free. Yeah. For mm-hmm. 12K so basically, for the RFC for use didn't set the React world on fire in the way that they were hoping that it would. Everybody was like, why would we use this? Myself included, when we have <laughs> better options that have been around for longer that have handled more scenarios or we can basically create more custom hooks with this. Yeah. They certainly didn't do the killer app. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like, Ooh, look at this demo. That's just way, so way superior to everything that we've been doing in the past. That is undeniably cool. Like, we didn't get that. We just got like, here's a tool. Use it. Don't use it. Yeah. You know, whatever. Just going good. And maybe somebody will come out with a killer app where they'll be like, Oh my God, look at this book that I was able to get rid of a gazillion <laughs> lines of code hasn't happened yet so okay. okay that that's use on the client right, right. so that's in 18.2 so the server end of things I think I still don't totally have a great sure. handle on because you you mentioned it as in next you could replace like get server side props and such mm-hmm. um can you and I don't want you to restate exactly what you did but like can you paint a picture of what that looks like or like a like sure. how I might well, actually use it. Well, it depends. If, you, if, you, if you've done PHP, you already have the picture in your head. It looks like <laughs> PHP, basically. And then many, many folks have been like, this is PHP. It's like, yeah, it is. Um, it's just really nice, honestly. I mean, instead of having, you know, your, your if you want to have, you want to go get us get some data from a service on, on the server side, and you have your, your component that's going to render it, instead of having two functions where in Next, where it's like, Export function, get server side props, blah, blah, blah. And then you do your your fetches and then you return your props and then that gets passed into the next one. You just literally like have one the one component. It's not and you just add async in front of it, and then you just do the fetch right there. And one of the, I guess it, to the extent that it, typing ever was an issue in TypeScript world, like you had to marshal the types between get server side props and the yeah, in the fun in the in the actual component, JSON like, serialization, which forever kind of shot, shoots me in the foot with undefined and null. Boundaries. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. <laughs> but it just it's it's elegant and it's pretty. I guess so. You start getting into some weird effects though with it because, like, let's say that you have a combination of server side components and also components that want to render on the client and on the server. Mm-hmm. Now in Next thirteen you have to declare your client-side components. So if you want it to run on the client, you have to put it at the top of the file, quotes, use client. That has to be the first line of the file. Okay, so let me ask okay. a clarifying question. With next, next 12 and below, get server-side props, get um, static props, those have to be called at the page level. So you can't call right. them inside of child components that are injected into the page. Like if I have a chart, I still have to get the, I still have to have my page fetch the data, pass it to the chart, mm-hmm. chart component renders it. So 
with yes, with server side props or server side components are is it now that the chart itself can go and yeah. fetch that data and it will yeah. it doesn't care that it's a child component or a deeply nested child it just it's it is fully capable of doing that yeah fantastic question yes it does um i guess the uh, like the one little thing that worries me about that is like uh, if you've got the case where a component you get some data and then that infers that you should then go and render a component, which in turn goes and renders more data or it fetches and renders more data. Then you might have multiple rendering cycles mm-hmm. on the server, which is something that Next.js 12 kind of gets around because like you can only get your data in one spot. Right. And once you got it, then you're good. You got to prop it around or context it around, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But you have to, you do have to comp- make sure that you get everything going. But I can imagine from a dashboard perspective, that ability to basically have any kind of you just bring in a widget and it just goes and gets its data and you're good to go. And that's that's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Some little hiccups in there. If you create that async function, right? Your I don't know, chart chart component, right? And you define it as an async function, it cannot then be a client-side function. So you kind of have to do this weird little dance where it's like you're probably gonna have like a chart container component that's gonna go make the it's going to be an async component, a, a server, a React server component. It's going to go get the data. And then it's going to pass it and basically pass it to a client-side component, which is the chart. Because I, obviously, I'm guessing the chart's going to have some sort of client-side interactivity, right? Otherwise, yeah, what, what are we doing here? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the gotcha in that is that whatever you pass to that chart in terms of props needs to be serializable, JSON serializable. Okay. Or, you know, when you think about it, fairly obvious reasons of like, you know, you're blah, 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 blah. It's like, I mean, it's the old hydration thing, right? We're going to go and take a whole bunch of state mm-hmm. and then have it in the document and then rehydrate and all that. But so conceivably, and I, I haven't really seen this so much looking at the flame graphs. The idea is that it's kind of moving towards like islands architecture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of your page would be RSC, server-side components, and then you would have these little islands, which are client-side component combination client-side and server-side components. I yeah. think that's, when you say, when you say you want client, it's, it's client and server. And yeah, so, and then in that hydration phase on the client, which has been such a thing that everybody's worried about nowadays, <laughs> you, that's, you should see less of that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that, but it's hard to tell. I mean, I've, I've used such small apps when it comes to Next.js that it's, or in, in, in this, with testing this, that I don't, I'm not sure I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fascinating stuff. But it's, mm-hmm. it, you get getting all these weird rules. Like, it's like, oh, you can't have this <laughs> nested within, within this, or clients, not, it's just, ah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> many, many people saying, I hate React. God, it's always Needlessly. getting more and more complex. Needlessly yeah, complicated needlessly complex. is what it sounds yes. like. It's like you have to know ahead of time, is it going to be client side? Is it going to be server side? Is it going to be both? If it's both, then you have to do this. And ooh. Yupper. That's why they pay us the big bucks, I guess. <laughs> well, I think like there's still relatively easy ways of implementing. The, like be, these are in a way pretty advanced optimizations in a sense, right? Like, oh, like yeah. This is when you get to this point, it's like, I need to find control over which component renders where. So the way I view it is that 
this at least gives you tools so that if you're in an advanced condition, which you might be, I mean, if you're building production apps, especially like public facing ones, Mm. you might need these tools because milliseconds matter. Mm. But if you don't, like I'm building an internal app or I'm building whatever, some, some like one-off thing, then I, I, I can get by without knowing the intricacies of all of this because I just come up with some way for my thing to get data. It loads good enough. I get on with yeah. get on uh, get on with my I'm, job. Right, I move forward. Yeah, yeah. I, it's certainly with the I look at it. You know, there's the the high end stuff where I think mm-hmm. this plays really well, and and then there's the sort of hey, it's you know, it's our dashboard. If it takes three seconds to load, eh, you know, it's an internal dash- dashboard. We you know, let's go get a coffee. <laughs> You know, yeah. whatever. But it's like, going to take you three seconds to get a coffee. But you know. Yeah. Well, and but if like Next is driving your like shop e-commerce platform oh, that, Lord, pays, yeah. that pays your bills, then like, yeah, you're going to want to be you in here that. knowing exactly how this works, <laughs> exactly what you can move to the server, exactly what's going to decrease your loading times, because that, that means money for you at the end of the right. day. Mm-hmm. And well, weirdly, I guess this all somehow connects to Shopify and Hydrogen, because they I were doing that whole React say. server. Oh, sorry. It's so interesting that you mentioned the e-commerce side of it, t- part of right? it, TJ, because yeah. of Shopify, who just acqu- acquired Remix, right. which has been a next, well, it's not a next, but it's been a React disruptor, I guess is the best way to put it. It took, <laughs> it took some of the good ideas from React, but then tacked on more and took some stuff away and kind of went with more of an island architecture and server-side stuff. So yeah, it's very interesting that now... It, it almost sounds like Next and React are trying to pivot away from client-side everything, which is really where React started its life, into mm-hmm. server-rendered for blazing faster internet stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I just, because mm, uh, Hydrogen, which is what I, I guess they're replacing with Remix? Not really sure what the strategy is there, but uh, that had React server components way before React server components, I think, were ready for prime time. <laughs> I mean, I think this is, I would say this is when React server components, Next 13 is, is React server components. Like, it's, it's like, this is the real deal. Like, there's racing components and blah, 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 blah. They do all that sort of stuff. And yeah, and I guess it's a little weird that like the, the Next.js and React stuff have gotten so tight because like it kind of starts to lock out any mm-hmm. other you know, potential vendors in that space. And it's yeah. almost like, yeah. Gatsby is still there, Jack. Gatsby's not giving yeah! up. Yeah, just... <laughs> right. A- Astro <laughs> is still, still out there. Gatsby's still out there. <laughs> yeah, I think, didn't Gatsby have a cool new Laval Hella release just recently? Yes. Yeah, they... Oh, what was they that about? Were, I'm not completely sure because I've I've just kind of skimmed the releases, but it sounds like Gatsby is trying to make themselves even more dynamic although they're still a static site generator. So the idea, I think, behind Gatsby and the the latest releases that they've done is that when you're hosting on their Gatsby enterprise platform, which is ideally where they want you to be because it gives them the most control and the most revenue generated from it. But the idea is that as new data comes in, even though it is a statically generated site, I think they're, they've figured out a way to kind of update and insert that new, those new bits of data without being disruptive to the user, having to have a loading spinner of some kind. I think they're trying to become more 
real time or more update driven without it seeming that way to a user. It seems like a static site, but they're still pushing fresh data in somehow. It's kind of it's kind of magical, but it's an interesting yeah, cool. pivot. And I think a lot yeah. of sites could benefit from it because, you know, having to run a cron job every night to see, has my site changed? Do I need to rebuild it and push it back out if it's a static one? You know, that just takes that part of it away. So that'd be cool if, yeah. if it works. Like if you have a comment section on yeah. your pages, you want to, you could do the overnight thing to re- mm-hmm. regenerate the static stuff for SEO, but then you could also have that kind of live update where you get the most recent comments. Yeah. And I guess on the, on the e-commerce perspective, maybe the price? Price would be a big one. Uh, keeping track of quantity, you know, as you're selling ah, through, through yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's probably a million different things where that would be really useful for an e-com site. Yeah. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question and then we'll just rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. Yeah, it's a decent business model. And it's the sense that like, I have a feeling the reason Remix ended up selling or whatever their, their arrangement was is it's, it's a hard business being a framework on its own without being tied Mm-hmm. to some sort of a service and i it makes me wonder what shopify's plans are because of course they say well like every acquisition ever right we're going to keep remix the same we're going to keep it out and <laughs> yeah. like this is the same line you hear all the time and it'll just be interesting to see if their if their goal is like internal usage like they see a way of remix like really making the shopify experience really good or if their goal is like grow the the remix community like or like integrated into some sort of product i don't know it'll just sort of be fascinating to see how exactly that's going to play out my hunch is that what they're trying to do is they're trying to get in the small medium-sized market basically you're selling cookies on shopify you're using shopify you know hosting on the whole whole 
you know, drag and drop. Here's my, mm-hmm. my box of cookies, whatever, 12 bucks. And then you get you get big. Right. You know, and now you want to have an interesting experience. Now you want to have more texture to your experience where potentially, I don't know, 3D rotating cookie boxes or whatever. <laughs> pushing this metaphor way too far. But and hey, the Shopify UI just ain't cutting it. So, and I think that's where hydrogen was playing was basically cool. We can still stay on, have our data in, in, in Shopify. We'd have our site hosted on Shopify, Shopify hardware, apparently, mm-hmm. um, using hydrogen. And there you go. And, and you can make a, a better experience because get a few fiber react devs or whatever. And there you go. <laughs> so no, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they market for fiber and. But I think (laughs) five hundred or five thousand or yeah, yeah, Yeah. right, yeah, five hundred an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah, the so but obviously hydrogen didn't really take off. Yeah, I can throw a little shade on that, but whatever. (laughs) And yeah, so now they picked a remix, and I guess the idea is, you know, yeah. And so instead of using hydrogen, you use remix and. The, the big brain trust at, at Remix would make sure that it's, you know, it's more open source friendly. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things about Hydrogen was basically, at least from my perspective, they made all the decisions for you. you you're going to be on V. You're going to be on on their version of GraphQL. They're, you're going to be on React Server Components. Do I get a choice in any of these matters? Oh, yeah, and Tailwind. Do I get a choice <laughs> in these matters? No, you do not. <laughs> that is it. That is Hydrogen. Enjoy. We have made decisions for you. Mm-hmm. And that... I know that doesn't play like open source folks. No, that's not a thing. You don't get mm-hmm. to decide that. Well, I know I, this is very anecdotal, but we have a Shopify store at blues and I don't know anything mm-hmm. about how it runs behind the scenes, but I know every time the person here that has to update it has to update it. They always complain when they have to update it. <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp. Okay. Yeah. So, and I, I don't think that it's a big store. I think it's a, one of the smaller size stores that has less interactive stuff because for us it is purely just an ordering conduit we have our own website that has developer docs we have another one that is marketing so it's just there basically to go buy things do you have an interactive console as well yes we do you can well there's two ways that you can do it you can actually download an interactive or a cli Um, that allows you to work with our hardware from your command line or you can actually do the same thing basically uh, through our developer experience site we have a web REPL that is Mm. basically a copy of the command line so you can just plug your hardware in to your computer and then connect to it that way which is pretty awesome I use it all the time actually nice and I'll attempt to segue back here. It runs on Next.js, which Woo! is... <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know, p- people plug their stuff all the time. I don't think we've ever plugged Blues, so why not? Let's do it. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. A- absolutely plug it. Uh, but yeah. I do want to know more, like, Jack, do you have, like, another, like, a couple of their favorite things about Next 13? Because I need to know whether we need to upgrade that experience or not. <laughs> I think, to take oh, one, I think you this. can... Yeah, I think you can upgrade just on its own. I mean, it just... You know, that's fine. The image, well, no. So the big the big other thing that happened is the now app directory. So all you know, your pages directory, instead of having pages, you now have app and it's got a different layout to it. And so one thing, you actually still will have a pages directory because if you had any API routes, those have to go in slash pages slash API. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, it still that stays. stays the same. Yeah, that stays the same. That's where it remains the same. But now, if you have this app directory, you have it's just organized differently. Like you can have layouts at multiple levels. So if you have like a, I guess like this, you can have a, like slash high first level routes would mm-hmm. all have the first level the layout in the first level of that app directory. And then if you have subdirectories, like, I don't know, like uh, settings, preferences, profile, profile, right? So you call it on a web profile. <laughs> you could have a sub, you could have a sub layout within preference, within profile that would have, that would be contained visually within the layout of the top level profile. So you could add things if you want, like you could add providers, or you maybe you know, add like a breadcrumb visually to it and have it just all kind of nice. Um, I think there's also there's error. There's a couple of different special routes. So yeah, no, it's it's cool. Like I I'm I'm digging on that. And as as Paige pointed out, like the the idea of having components kind of nested in there and all like grabbing their own data is is really cool. There's also an upgrade to image, as I recall. I think they there were some yeah. fixes to that. A couple of spot things. But those, I mean, it's a big release because of the whole 18.2 mm-hmm. and the app directory. It is, it's a lot of pill to swallow conceptually. So do you know, is there, or may, you may have already done this, is there a path to migration? Or is it really Next just says, you know, up, update your dependencies and go to 18 and everything should still work? Are there breaking changes? Are there things we need to be aware of before we try and potentially undertake this? Uh, as far as I know, I was talking to somebody, some maniac who was like, yeah, I, am, I uploaded on the day and it was great. He's busy. And you're like, whoa. Because I mean, I think actually it was the Theo was doing like a, you know, his usual live stream with that. And I was like, he was having no end of difficulties with some weirdness. Like they patched fetch. And so it was like returning... You know, it would work fine if the payload was like less than, you know, a couple K, but over that it would it would die. And you're like, what? Oh, no. So there are little issues like that. But I think that's those are apparently gone, seemingly gone. I haven't, I haven't seen those myself. It probably is. It's a version upgrade. And then I think you can incrementally adopt app, the app directory. And the ordering, I think, is like if, if it sees something in page, it'll use the page one first. And then if it doesn't see that route in page, then it'll look in the app directory. So you can just start slowly migrating routes over one by one. Yeah, and per there, I found their migration guide. And Ooh. if you if you trust them, it should be very simple. Uh, but <laughs> it looks like they move some of their stuff to like a slash legacy path. So like your existing images, you'd have to you have to get the old image component from slash next slash legacy slash image. So if you wanted to it sounds like you just upgrade to V13 and then like some of these new components. Uh, if you want to keep using the old ones, you have to change your path. Uh, oh, to, there's also the a font one, thing. So. Yeah, they've also got new support for fonts, like big time support for oh, fonts. Oh, nice. It made it very always, easy to like. Yeah, kind of a pain. Yeah. Oh, I just did this thing with, uh, you know, my, man, my current job, they're all about like the, the very small details. And <laughs> it was like, oh no, we don't want to use the material icons. We want to use the, the font awesome icons <laughs> and font awesome plus next it requires a little bit of a little bit of hijinks you know and it was like uh, it was sometimes work sometimes not and sometimes like when it didn't work the icons are massive and it was like, oh no ah, it's crazy <laughs> uh, i'm awful. a huge fan of this because i've i've 
in previous lives for web design, I had implemented sites where the designers were obsessed with custom fonts. They're like, we need all four of these and none of these can go, right? And this was for the, like a public, the, like the, the dot com, right? The homepage for the entire company. And they wanted four custom fonts because they needed different fonts in the header and all of these things. And I just remember going through just absolute nightmares being like, there's only, it's the, it's the site on the page that should load the absolute fastest. And then you're given this requirement and it's just, so being able to like, like, cause it sounds like per their, their docs, basically you can take externally hosted fonts, point at them and next will automatically sort of download them and sort of bake it into your site locally so that yeah. you don't need to do external oh, memory local requests. Fonts. So. Yeah, no, in local fonts, if it got like TTF or WAF twos, I don't even know. Like, which which one am I supposed to use? I, yeah, I, I I learn it and then I unlearn it because I'm like, I same. Want to yeah, burn I, that? Crap, I mean, as soon as screen. you get it working, you hope that you will never have to touch it again, and you just <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. Like, oh, uh, we have the same thing at my work, and it's a custom font. And I I gotta say, like, I think. I think the whole app was running without it. It was like running with basically the standard <laughs> material stuff for a while. And they didn't notice. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of like, because I was loading the font wrong. And like, you know, I, I ended up loading it right. And they're like, oh, wow, that looks, that seems a little better. I'm like, yeah, not a big change. Not a big, you know, not a big change. And, but it's a weird font too. Like some of these, these off-brand fonts, like the Kerning mm-hmm. And yeah. by the way, using four different fonts on a page, are you a maniac? Like that's oh, yeah. way against Designers. any kind of, dis- <laughs> well, you know, UI like guidelines. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was back in the day where so one like, of the custom fonts was for icons because that's how this oh, was okay. years ago and that's how that's you did fair, it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One was for the body text, so all the body text was the same, mm-hmm. uh, but they needed different ones. And I, I believe it might have just been one was like the bold face of a font, and one was the regular face. But they, okay. yeah. they also that's wanted another one for like the header uh, and stuff like that as well. But it was, it adds up pretty quickly though. Mm. I mean, it looked pretty. No, like, wait. I, I wasn't opposed to how the end thing looked, but I mean, I think designers can lose track, especially in those days of the cost of some of these things they come up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta like every, every once in a while, look at like the, the, uh, it's always Figma. And it's like, well, what is that component in Figma? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I just drew it. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? You know? Yeah, what do I... Okay, yeah. So, Jack, this has been really fun. Yes, based ma'am. on everything that you've told us and what we've kind of learned today, what would be your advice to anybody who either is interested in React 18 or Next.js 13? You know, it, in your opinion, would you upgrade now or would you still hang hang out for six months and see what, what else shakes out first? I wouldn't upgrade without like a proof of concept just to make sure. Because there are, I mean, it is, if you want to make use of those features, mm-hmm. it is a fairly big, big change. So that you're, you know, you're comfortable with uh, the new app directory layout and what, how you would take advantage of it. If you want to take advantage of the React server components, and and just so basically take the, the the critical pieces of upgrade that you're looking for, m- make a new next thirteen experimental a- a app with the experimental app directory enabled. You get the app directory; mm-hmm. it's all done, and then try it out and see. But I would definitely do it. No, I, I think you're you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. 
But I, I do think we don't know what best practices looks like in this at all yet. Yeah. Like, how does this interact with a state manager? Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Because <laughs> you can't, in these React server components, you can't use use state, you can't use use context, you can't provide, you know, all of that. Anything that's going to need client-side stuff is all just, you know, turned off, lint rules, all that. You know, so what does that mean? Does it mean that, like, if I'm going to have a page component and it's going to go get some data and I want to provide it to client-side stuff, do I need to then have another component that I need to pass it to and then have that do the... And it's just like, whoo! And I don't know, you know, I mean, yeah. to the extent that we have best practices, we haven't established these best practices at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're filling me with tons of confidence, Jack. Oh, <laughs> great. Ready to do it tomorrow. <laughs> You know, Next is a great, or Versal is a, is a great company. Next is a, has always been a perennially great product. I have full faith and confidence that it will be a thing uh, and that this is the direction, especially since they're so intertwined with React. Yeah. But do we know how to not foot gun ourselves at the moment with it? <laughs> no. Not yet. <laughs> I actually did make a video specifically about like, warning, use a Next.js 13, because I'd literally seen like medium articles and YouTube articles showing like, okay, here's how you do this. Use, use plus, and then a, and, and a function like fetch data, which would just call fetch. And it's like, that's the same thing, guy. You just took fetch and just extracted a function that unconditionally called it. Like there's no, there's no, you're still foot gunning yourself. Mm-hmm. And so... What, yeah, maybe a happy middle ground is you can upgrade your versions because it's usually a good idea to not get your apps too far behind yeah mm-hmm. so you can do the upgrades but you can do them and just make sure your existing stuff works right just sure. yeah up, upgrading yeah upgrading doesn't mean you have to like jump on the bandwagon <laughs> and get start <laughs> refactoring everything to use and server components and whatnot uh, you can just bump up your version numbers switch your past to legacy or whatever make sure <laughs> things build and that way you're on newest version you have the new features available uh, and then when you have a need, when something comes up at work, then at that point, you're ready to go. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, there's also Turbo Pack, right? Which we haven't oh, talked man. about. Oh, right. Yeah. I, and I don't think that's out. I don't know. But apparently it's, it's you know, if you don't, if you don't have a wickedly customized Webpack config, or actually, I think any configuration changes to Webpack. I don't think it can support anything because it's like, it is literally like a, rust or go based webpack <laughs> and they're like well what about reverse compatibility they're like uh-huh yeah that's happening you know <laughs> and anyway it's it, it's apparently very fast but you know who knows? i mean it is it's already a controversial and hot topic because i know as soon as it came out and they said that they were 10 times faster than veet evan Yu, who is the creator of veet you know did his own performance testing and debunked that so yeah 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 take take it or leave it i think you know it's probably faster which is great we all like faster hot reloading but i don't i don't think it's the one reason that you should upgrade (laughs) there was some like i remember looking at the versal site and they had like their they were saying that their minimizer was 300 percent faster or something like that or and then they somehow they, they they bound that into like, and that would result in better performance for the customer in terms of bandwidth. And I'm like, no, because like 
it's one thing to minimize your code, sure, great, and be very fast at it, that's great, but you're not actually creating a a more minimized version. Like, there's a, there's a dense, there's like a, you know, you still have to have code, right? You still have, you know, so no. <laughs> anyway, it was just weird messaging. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, you're right, so right. Like anybody says like 10 times faster, 100 times, whoa, whoa yeah. there. Show you me know. how you did that, and then we'll mm-hmm. decide. <laughs> show me your home, show me the work, right? Like yeah. in algebra class, show me that work. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's I mean that's very cool, and thanks for really kind of disbanding myths, telling us about potential foot guns because there always will be in new stuff, mm. but also some really cool stuff. So yeah, yeah give it a try, listeners, and let us know how it goes. <laughs> All right. So let's move into the portion of the show where we talk about picks, things that are cool, things that we like, things that we think our listeners also will will like. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, The rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. Well, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current, keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. TJ, do you want to kick us off this week? Sure. So I'm going to start with a pick update. So I picked Magic Puzzle, I think like a week or two ago. And the, the, the sort of gimmick they have is that they have a surprise you open at the end of the puzzle. And my update is that the surprise was definitely worth it and definitely cool. So I'm going to plus one the pick of Magic Puzzle, especially if you're a puzzle person. I'm not going to reveal the surprise, but it was it's it's really cool. And we had a lot of fun putting it together. And then my pick for this week is a podcast that I've been listening to called People I Mostly Admire. It's done by the the Freakonomics people, which all of their podcasts are really, really good. I think I've picked the main Freakonomics podcast before. 
Uh, so it's done by the same people. It's an interview show. We just interviews just some really interesting people. And I listen to it on and off when I see episodes that look interesting. So that'll be my pick. Cool. I mean, Magic Puzzle sounds awesome. So it's even better that their surprise at the end was good because that would just really be sad if it was not not very surprising. (laughs) (laughs) And that sounds like a good podcast. I'm always looking for more of those to listen to when I'm just doing stuff around the house. So that sounds great. (laughs) Cool. So, Jack, what have you got for us? Uh, I guess I've got an oldie but a goodie. Um, I'm reading now The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And I think my wife was like, oh, I read that way back when. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Newish to me, but it's fascinating. It's it's really, it's interesting, you know, from the ethics, it's interesting from the science, it's, it's uh, you know, the history. It's just really, really cool. Great book. Cool. Good books are always, uh, always good. Have you read it? No, I have not. So okay. I'll put that on my list. Cool. Yeah, I have not either. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so my pick for this week is going to be another TV show. I've been catching up on mm. various series right now. Uh, and the one which may have been picked by one of you in the past is uh, the show for all mankind. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I picked it, but yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. So it's a. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, I think that it is a Sony Pictures. It might be an Apple TV show, but basically, really Apple TV for sure. Okay, yeah. So basically, yeah. the idea is: what if? we the u.s had been beaten to the moon by russia they had been the first ones to land on the moon and then it just kind of goes into an alternate universe from there you know there's there's colonies on the moon they're mining for stuff there's now a race to mars and who's going to be the first country to get there and are they going to start doing colonization so it's really it's really interesting to see what what could have happened and where space exploration could have gone if we had been more, I guess, just more into it and more, con- you know, we got to beat Russia to basically do everything in space that we can. So right, it's really fun to see the way that history could have turned out if, if things had been different. So if you're looking for one that is very historically rooted, but then kind of twists it and changes things, it's really fun to watch and it's a good one on, on outer space stuff. So and super cool and super timely because we're going back to the moon. I mean, Artemis one launched yesterday and it's Mm -hmm. on its way to the moon. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, We tried to stay up for it, but it was funny. Like it, you know, we're up at like, I don't know, whatever, 10 or something like that, that we're seeing the countdown and we're like, Oh, it's going to be, you know, 10 more minutes or whatever. And they're like, 10 minutes and then he finally were like, it's 10 minutes until the launch window opens. And then there'll be a 30 minute hold. We're like, good night. Like, <laughs> bye, we're done. Yeah, got to get yeah. that. I mean, timing is everything, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a late launch for a, <laughs> for a banner, you know, thing. It's like, guys, launch during the day. <laughs> you want to really get the people going. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. This has been really fun. Yeah. It has been. Yeah, I hope everybody has enjoyed kind of getting educated and hearing about some of the new stuff that is available for us. And, uh... We will see you on the next episode of React Roundup. See you next time. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.